Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Morning, everybody. Uh, fresh back from South Africa, if you've wondered where I've been. I think I've possibly been in the office about three days in the last three months. Uh, interestingly, you know, we sang that Matt Redmond song, When the Music Fades, um, in a, uh, a township in Cape Town. And I tell you what, when you're singing with people who are genuinely uh, weak and poor, it's, <laughs> it's a hard one to sing, you know? When you stood around with township folk singing their hearts out that it's all about Christ. It puts a few things in perspective, I have to say. Last time I shared, I, I talked to you a bit about my friend Lee, who uh, sadly was found passed away in, um, in a house outside of our community. I told you some interesting and funny stories about him. Just a couple of days before I went to Cape Town, I had to put him in a hole in the ground, and that was a real tough day for me. A guy that I've invested in and had to live in with us. And, um, coming to terms with, with his loss has been significant and has kind of been an, something that has, has, has been a burden that I've carried everywhere I've gone, even this morning as I'm singing you. Yeah, I'm just imagining him and uh, that's tough. Some things in our community just, just don't add up, do they, sometimes? Some of the situations and the circumstances we, that we face um, challenge us and are confusing and it's good to know that we have a God who is sovereign and therefore nothing confounds him. But our neighbourhoods are confusing. There are are things that make no sense sometimes. I remember taking a group of guys from our Eden team to bless a man whose dog had just died. And so we went to clean his house up and uh, just, you know, encourage him. And so on our hands and knees, we kind of scraped like dog hairs from the carpet and, and tried to give the place a spring clean. And uh, I remember doing all that and getting filthy and my lungs were battered from all this stuff that's coming off the carpet. And then went into the back room, and he it was, it was such a poor man that um, he hadn't really kept his house in good order, and the joists in his floor had rotted so that the kitchen was on a slope because the floor had fallen into the foundations. So he'd walk through his lounge and then down to the cooker, um, and he'd be cooking on a slant because he uh, hadn't maintained his house. But yet, the guy had the largest TV I have ever seen. <laughs> that kind of stuff doesn't really make much sense, does it? I remember coming out of our house one day, uh, uh, myself, my wife, and a, another couple of guys going to the cinema to be met by armed police that told us to get back in the house. And through the letterbox, we inquired what was going on. And somebody had very kindly left a World War II bomb on the doorstep of one of our neighbor's houses. I don't know if that's a joke or not, but that's not funny, is it? You know, when you come out of your house and knock over a, a nice World War II bomb, and then boom, that's your house gone, and probably you. You know, that stuff doesn't make sense in communities. I remember um, one particular time getting called from some kids saying, you need to come and sort out the old people in the garden. We had this, like a garden next to our church. I was like, what do you mean? And I went out, and there's old people attempting to make love outside my house. Uh, and not, out, not outside the church. And... Uh, <laughs> In, in the garden and like and youth clubs on uh, so that was particularly awkward you know when you have to go excuse me could I just ask you to go home to the to the safety of your own environment I'm not even going to tell you where that progressed uh, that, that is not for 
not before the watershed, but it got complex, let's just say that. <laughs> some things in our community don't add up, but I have to say there's some things in the Bible that don't add up, and some things that Jesus says that we sweep over very quickly, um, and it's all too easy just to miss what Christ was saying because the, the complexity of what he says doesn't really make sense in first glance but we we love the verses and so we just say yeah that's all sorted and we fail to dig into them let me give you a few the great commission first of all Matthew 28 19 and 20 therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you that's all good we're down with that then comes the kicker and surely I will be with you even to the end of the age Jesus says but this doesn't make sense let me explain that to you Christ has risen from the dead he was nailed to a cross they took him down they stuck him in a tomb and he came back to life he has defeated death once and for all he can never ever die and so when he is walking with his disciples and he gives them this phenomenal kingdom task that they need to be involved in it sounds like a great deal yes Jesus will have a go at taking the good news to the nations we will baptize them in the name of your father and the spirit and your name because you're going to be with us you have said you'll never leave us or forsake us fantastic let's go change the world but yet within 40 days This makes no sense to them because Jesus has gone. You read about it in Acts chapter 1. The disciples are all excited about what Jesus will do next. They're inquiring as to what his next step will be. How are we going to go about bringing this kingdom in? What's it going to look like? You can conquer everything because you've conquered death. And they say, what are you going to do? And he says, don't worry about me. You've got a job to do. And they're like, say, what? And then as they look at him, he begins to lift off the ground. I don't know if this noise. (laughs) But he begins to lift off the ground and disappear into the clouds. He doesn't say goodbye. Why do I know that? Because you would have thought the last words of Jesus, somebody would have been taking those down. What did he say? Did he say, just be back in a sec, lads? Or, you know, he didn't say anything. He is gone. I have no idea how fast he lifted off the ground. Like, I don't know if it's like um, firework speed or whether I like to imagine it's more like a helium balloon. Uh, just like, just slowly lifting in there. I wonder if, first of all, someone was trying to grab him. Whoa, come back, come back down here. But they, you know, when it's just out of your hands, when, you, you know, a kid lets go of the balloon, they're like, you know, and anyway... But they're just like, where, what on earth? Never seen a man fly. This is crazy. Just like, where is he going? You know, the only person that's probably having a go at flying is Peter because he's had a go at walking on the water. He's like, whatever Jesus does, you just copy. So you imagine he's like, you know what I mean? He's springing, he's flapping. He's doing all he can to get off the ground because he wants to be like Christ. But the rest of the disciples stand in awe as they watch Jesus levitate from the ground and make his way towards the clouds and they're like what and have you done that with a helium balloon where maybe you've done one of them like balloon launches where you all do it the same we did it outside of here one prayer day really good point but I can't remember why we did it and uh, and you know and you know which balloon is yours and so you keep your eye trained on it 
until, and you just watch it and you watch it and watch it and watch it until at some point you don't know if, if you can still see it. And the disciples are like that with Jesus. You know they're staring up at the clouds and they see the bottom of his feet and they're just like watching. Can you still see him? Can you still see him? Can you still see him? And then maybe the clouds come over and they're just waiting for the clouds to part. They're stood at the clouds waiting for the clouds to, to, to part so that they might get another glimpse of him because they've got these last words in his ears. Surely I'll be with you until the very end of the age. And they're like, he definitely said he'd be with us, right? He definitely said it. Where's he going? I have no idea. Keep, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. You know they're going to stay there for like days. Because God has to send a couple of angels who say, lads, lads, why are you looking at clouds? He's gone. And he won't be back until the big return. It doesn't add up. That day when they left that spot, when they took their eyes finally from the clouds, they leave confused because the commandment that he gave him and the promise that came with it suddenly make no sense. Let me move you then to the great commandment that we find in Mark's gospel. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. I call this the kingdom equation, but it's an equation that doesn't add up. Let me tell you why that is the case. Because if you love the Lord your God with all of your heart so that you lavish every emotion, every feeling, every affection, every passion upon God. If you love the Lord your God with all your soul so that your very existence and purpose is in the loving pursuit of God. If you love the Lord your God with all your mind so that every thought and every dream is consumed with loving God. If you love the Lord your God with all your strength so that every ounce of energy and effort is devoted to loving God, guess what? There is nothing left. All love has been used up. All love has gone. You have bankrupted yourself of your love bank upon God, and that is a great thing to do. We're commanded to do that side. But therefore, there should be no love left for yourself. And certainly no love left for your neighbor. The kingdom equation doesn't add up. We can't love our neighbor as ourselves if we're loving God with everything. That is unless something supernatural takes place in our loving of God. Unless something incredible takes place as we give our all. And it turns out that the Apostle Paul figures the equation and it gives us this beautiful passage in Ephesians 3. Let me read it to you from verse 16. I pray out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the, full, uh, the measure of all the fullness of God. 
This is one of the most profound passages in the Bible. I love it so much because here we get the, the, the work of the Trinity displayed in a passage. There's not many times you see the Trinity all neatly working together and presented in a piece of scripture for us. I love it that as we love God with our all, he begins to do his work within our hearts. Out of his glorious riches, we're told, he strengthens us in our inner being, innermost being, by the power of his spirit as we love God the Father he sends us God the Spirit the Holy Spirit begins to work in us strengthening our hearts why so that Christ can dwell with us incredible God the Father sends God the Spirit who makes us ready for God the Son. Total team effort. Really awesome and wonderful stuff that you find this so neatly woven in a passage together. As we love God, our hearts are prepared for Christ to move in. Christ is with us as he promises You know, that first equation suddenly makes sense. We can go to the nations. We can baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because Christ will always be with us because as we go about doing the things of God, God gives us himself. The Spirit makes us ready for Christ to be with us. He will be with us forever, never leaving us or forsaking us. When Christ moves in, I like to imagine Christ turning up on removal day. When Christ moves in, he has a van full, boxes of love. Like it says, the full measure of God is going to move in. Like the full measure of God is Christ. Full measure of God is Christ and his love. And he's the one who makes his home in our hearts. He dwells with us by the power of his spirit. The Spirit's job is to make space in our hearts for it all to fit. You know, sometimes we think about the work of the Spirit and we always talk about the external works of the Spirit, that we might see the gifts displayed, but actually what's incredible about the Spirit, his first job is to make our hearts ready for Christ to dwell. That is quite an incredible piece of work that we need to focus on. When we pray, Lord, send your spirit, it should be, Lord, do a work in my heart because it's not strong enough. Often it's not strong enough. The spirit's job is to strengthen our hearts to contain Christ. Do you see what God is trying to do in you right now? You know, as you worship and you sing and you pursue God and as you give and lavish the best of yourself, you know, we can go wholeheartedly and give the best of our love and affections to Christ knowing that the work of the Spirit is to work on us that he might send his Son to dwell in us, making room for Christ. The Spirit is at work. You know, I've always been getting this equation wrong. I think, you know, with my Eden kind of work I think I've been trying to love my neighbor with all my heart and with all my mind and with all my soul and with all my strength. I've always thought that was the purpose. We move in and we're going to love deep, live deep, love deep. That's what we do. But that is not the commandment. You know, I've I've worked out that it's actually quite exhausting to try and love my neighbor with all that I have. Turns out I'm pretty rubbish at it. 
I fail at it. It's unsustainable. I can't keep on loving with everything. It's just exhausting. I fail and I let people down. And if I'm honest, you know, I find myself so empty of love when I do that, that I find myself just not even being able to answer the door and I find myself hiding on the couch hoping that people will go away when they knock. And then it gets a bit awkward when they look through the living room window (laughs) and find you sitting in your pants on the couch. But the word to us is not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. We are not called to love our neighbour with the best of ourselves. We are called to love our neighbour with the best of God. We're not called to love our neighbour with the uh, leftovers of ourselves, but the overflow of heaven. You know, sometimes my neighbours get the dregs. We love from the overflow of heaven, not the leftovers of ourselves. We love others by the power of the Spirit. That as we love and devote ourselves to God, and I can do that. Actually, you know, it's not hard. We sometimes make it such a big deal. But when I just devote myself to God, I have to have confidence that God the Father will generously give us God the Spirit to work in our hearts to strengthen us that Christ may dwell, that he may be displayed. I love Isaiah 61. Fantastic passage. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoner, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bespow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Interesting how this passage starts. It's the spirit of the sovereign Lord that anoints our ministry. We are not called to go on our own. We are not called to do it in our own strength. The passage starts with the spirit of the sovereign Lord has anointed me too. And therefore I'm confident that there is an anointing that enables us to be proclaimers of good news. There's an anointing that enables us to be proclaimers of freedom. There's an anointing that enables us to proclaim the favour of God. An anointing for those who are sent. An anointing for those who are bringers. An anointing for those who bind up. An anointing for those who release. An anointing for those who comfort. For those who bestow beauty, an anointing for those who bring joy and dress others in praise, an anointing for those who go on behalf of God. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon those who are called to bring his justice and transformation. There is an anointing for mission. It's not just that I'm called and told to go and figure it out. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. How often we forget his anointing. 
when we begin to see that the mission belongs to God, that it's his idea, that he is the God who is out to rescue and save and redeem, then we begin to see how he's going to involve us, how he intends to welcome us into his ministry, how he intends to use us and help us. We join the mission of God by the anointing of his spirit. You know, the outcomes are brilliant. We see it in the passage here. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, a a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I love in this passage that we get all these they's. They are called. They will. They will. They will. All the time we learn about the they's. And they display his splendor, the splendor of the sovereign God. How do they do that? In two ways. Firstly, they bear the marks of transformation. They carry the testimony of change. We're told they will wear a crown of beauty instead of ashes. They will wear the oil of joy instead of mourning and garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They wear the marks of transformation. For once you might have seen brokenness, now you see them crowned in beauty. You might have seen them dressed in 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 rags of mourning but now they're dressed in garments of praise they stand out as the display of the of God's splendor as he redresses them in his kingdom clothes they bear the marks of transformation and secondly they display the splendor of God because they become the rebuilders Their mess becomes their ministry. They are transformed to be transformers. They are restored that they might restore. They are rebuilt that they might rebuild the city. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You know, I've always thought that I'm supposed to be the rebuilder. You know, we've got our Eden logo that says we're, you know, we're rebuilding walls. You know what the truth is? They rebuild the walls. Those that I go to in the name of Jesus by the power of his spirit. I thought I was supposed to be the restorer of the land. I was supposed to bring transformation. But what's incredible about the gospel, the kingdom gospel, is that we are sent with the good news. We are anointed for the task of bringing change. And then we create change makers. That they will be the guys that are released in his name to restore in his name. There's nothing more exciting for me when I see people become rebuilders in their own community. I wish the church could get this, you know. Christ dwells with us for a purpose. He wants to fill us with the fullness of God, the fullness of heaven. How profound is that, that mortal being, flesh, weak in our flesh, are filled with the fullness of God. Why would he want to fill us with the fullness of God? Somehow we've lost sight of it when we think that's about us. When we think that's about making us feel good about ourselves. You know, it has to have purpose, and it's purpose way beyond ourselves. As we love God, we should look more like Christ. We should display the character of Christ, and that should bring change and hope to the world.
Paul calls the characteristics of Christ the fruits of the Spirit. If you ever want to know what Christ is, just, just work through the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is our Savior. Paul calls it the fruits of the Spirit because the work of the Spirit was again to strengthen our hearts that Christ may dwell. Where Christ dwells, his character begins to be displayed in us. You know, there's something incredible about fruit. It always has purpose. Fruit brings life. Fruit multiplies. Fruit tastes good. Fruit feeds the hungry. Fruit blesses the sick. You know, the problem with us often is that we ask for more. Send more, God. Send more. We want more. We want more. And then we put all the fruit in a nice fruit bowl. It looks nice for a bit but then we forget to eat it and then the fruit flies come and they're a nightmare, aren't they? I mean, imagine your house full of fruit flies. I think we have a problem in our church. We have churches full of fruit flies where fruit isn't used, where it's lost its purpose, where we ask for more and God in his generous grace pours out more and more into our lives and we just stack it and we don't use it. The love of Christ is to be used and displayed in the places of hatred. The joy of Christ is to be displayed in the places of sorrow. The peace of Christ is to be used in the places of chaos. The patience of Christ is to be used in the places of pain. The kindness of Christ is to be displayed in the places of cruelty. The goodness of Christ to be displayed in the places of wickedness, the faithfulness of Christ to be displayed in the places of betrayal, the kindness of Christ displayed in the places of brutality, the self-control of Christ in the places of self-indulgence, the fruits of the Spirit, the character of Christ has purpose beyond you. The Spirit is for those who will go. The Spirit is for those who are sent. We have so many of us looking to be blessed, asking to be filled, but no intention of using what we're given. We have purpose. We cannot store it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon those who go. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on those who go to the poor, on those who are sent to the brokenhearted, on those who stand with captives, on those who visit prisoners, on those who sit with mourners on those who grieve with the grieving. Notice all these things are about going. When we go, when we follow the great commandment to go, therefore go, the Spirit goes with us, Christ in us, strengthen that Christ may dwell, and he dwells with us for a purpose, that he might display his character and bring hope for change. Christ longs to make himself known to others through you. He wants your neighbours to taste and see that he's good. Your neighbours to taste first Christ in you. So what do we have to do? We have to ask the Spirit to work in our hearts again. Where are you going today? What is your purpose? Christ dwells with you for a purpose. It doesn't matter which area of this ministry you're involved in. You, You know, Guys, it just doesn't matter. Christ in you will have a purpose. He sends his spirit to strengthen you that he might dwell within you because he wants to bring change wherever you are. But be going, people. Be going, people. 
Allow his spirit to work in your hearts again, to do his strengthening work. How strong is your heart today? Do you feel weak? Do you feel like you're on the edge of it? There's good news. The spirit of the sovereign Lord strengthens us. Kind of does the interior work. Puts in the joists. Makes well the walls so that the Son of God may dwell in our hearts. So let's just spend a minute, shall we? And welcome the Spirit. Why don't you stand to your feet and maybe open your posture. Open your hands. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Sovereign God, we love you. Generous God, pour out your spirit upon us again. We give you our hearts, Lord. We give you the very best of ourselves, knowing that you want to give us the very fullness, the very best of heaven. Do your work, Lord. Do your work, Lord. Ready us, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Renew our purpose. Don't make us selfish, Lord. Lord, may we today dis- display the character of Christ more clearly than ever before. Come, Lord Jesus. Reign in our hearts, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams.